listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 21st of December 2022. Later, what Penny Wong's visit to China means for the share market. But first, let's talk about the property market because the team at CoreLogic says the proportion of homes sold at a loss rose from 5.4% in May to 6.7% in September. What now? For more, I spoke earlier with Eliza Owen. She's the head of Australian research at CoreLogic. Eliza, this increase in the number of properties being sold at a loss, to what extent is it a concern? Well, I think ultimately it's not great for the sellers, but from a financial stability perspective, it's probably not a material concern just yet. The reason I say that is because the actual number of loss-making sales hasn't increased too sharply on the previous quarter. Uh, It's more the proportion. What we're seeing in terms of actual resales for the September quarter is that that's actually fallen over time, which is a sign that more people are holding back their properties as property values decline. Another important point to make is that the average hold period for properties that did sell at a loss was, you know, over eight years. So that suggests to me that there is probably some level of equity built up in a property. Uh, the median loss from resale was about $40,000. So again, not, not great for the seller, but I think from a financial stability perspective, it, it's probably not too much of a concern. Do we know what kind of properties or which kind of borrowers are being impacted by this? You did mention it's it's predominantly those, those properties that are being held for a longer period of time. Yeah, so interestingly, it's not like we're seeing properties that have been held for a relatively short period of time, people buying in at the peak and then having to sell straight away. The kinds of properties we're looking at that, that are making these losses from resale are from areas that have been subject to very low capital growth or a lot of volatility over a longer period of time. So Perth is a really good example of this where um, someone who's held for maybe eight or nine years still hasn't made a lot of money, if any money, um, because of the boom and bust conditions that we see with the property market. And in fact, about 21% of loss-making sales uh, were in Perth. It's a little bit different when you look at the unit sector. If you're looking just at unit resales, more than a quarter of loss-making sales uh, were from Sydney. Uh, And within Sydney, it's really those high-density investment markets that haven't seen a ton of growth since the last upswing. Uh, Parramatta, Canterbury, Bankstown and the inner Sydney uh, council regions are examples of of where those loss-making unit sales have been highest. And finally, I mean, we know interest rates are rising, inflation's an issue. Um, as a result, we're seeing borrowing capacity falling. So do you expect this trend of the number of properties being sold at a loss to continue, especially as we approach this mortgage cliff where uh, uh, fixed rate home loans roll off those terms later next year? That's a really good point. And I think exactly that, that fixed term cliff is going to be the test of the market. Um, It's a bit of a double whammy because people will be facing higher interest costs and lower property prices 
And you're talking about some borrowers who are going from fixed terms of sub 2% on their mortgage rate uh, into a variable rate environment of between 5 and 6%. So I think it's fair to assume that there will be an increase in motivated selling. Whether it's enough to see the property market unravel, I, I don't think that will be the case. But it's not going to be an ideal selling time in 2023. Eliza Owen there from CoreLogic from Property. Let's go to the share market. The A6200 up 1.3%, 7,115. For more, I spoke earlier with Mike Jenica. He is a portfolio manager at Credit Suisse. Well, yesterday's sell-off was uh, driven by an unexpected shift in the Bank of Japan's yield curve control policy. Um, and despite its significance, uh, and it was probably uh, a negative development for equity markets, uh, the US equity market largely ignored uh, what occurred yesterday. And as a result, the ASX has followed and rebounded today and retraced all, all the losses uh, that occurred. Um, it does seem overall to be an optimistic uh, interpretation by equity markets uh, of what happened yesterday with the Bank of Japan. Global bond yields have risen in response and they uh, may keep rising. Uh, and so we'll just see how that unfolds over the next few days. As you mentioned, there's the Bank of Japan. Last week, we also saw numerous large central banks around the world lift interest rates to combat inflation. How are investors now feeling about the pace of rate rises to come and where they'll eventually peak and the implication for shares? Well, investors remain broadly comfortable that most of the interest rate rises have already taken place, uh, that the pace is broadly sensible going forward and that a near-term peak in policy rates is approaching. Uh, the economic data is also showing a likely peak and decline in inflation uh, and our economic growth is starting to slow. Uh, so share markets have responded positively, uh, mainly because the monetary policy cycle is becoming more predictable and there's been limited damage to earnings so far. Uh, the main risk to, to that uh, view is, is that the effects of monetary policy do occur with a lag. Uh, so earnings expectations uh, may still need to be reduced as we progress through 2023. We talk about China. Uh, Penny Wong visiting China, the first Aussie official in about three years. How's the market feeling about the potential for this to really open up trade with China and does it provide any investment opportunities? Our global view on China has, has recently turned positive and, and Penny Wong's visit uh, is illustrative of more constructive diplomatic engagement with many countries, uh, including Australia. Uh, importantly, the Chinese authorities are adopting a more pro-growth stance and have abandoned uh, highly restrictive COVID management uh, policies. And that implies that the, their economy is likely to rebound next year, while the rest of the world is more concerned about a sharp slowdown. So we are expecting trade relations to, to gradually improve, uh, although we should note that many companies are looking to improve their resilience by diversifying some of their exposure to China where possible. It's more of a supply chain story. Uh, but from an investment perspective, there is opportunity. We, we like uh, Chinese equities and in the local market, uh, we favour the mining and energy sectors as Chinese commodity demand is set to improve in 2023. As we head into 2023, um, how significant will the US reporting season be? I've seen a lot of commentary about the potential for some really big misses and some disappointing numbers. Just how significant is that? 
direction of the earnings cycle is going to be crucial to the performance of share markets going forward. So uh, the US reporting season is going to be an important marker of the overall trend. Um, we're expecting a mixed picture overall as, as US economic growth is holding up and the effects of tighter policy are yet to be felt across um, several sectors. But uh, the one that of note, though, is the technology sector. It's a high-profile sector, uh, and there's potential disappointment there. Uh, and that's that's uh, pretty significant because it's a large component of, of the U.S. market. So companies uh, in the technology sector are experiencing a cyclical downturn in revenues uh, as the positive pandemic effects are still receding. Uh, so that uh, component alone, we think, is going to set up uh, some downward revisions uh, in the um, uh, US reporting season uh, starting next year. And just finally, this is likely to be the last time I speak to you this year. What do you see as the key themes and investment opportunities in the new year? Well, our global view is that the world is going through a regime change to higher interest rates and the risk of persistently higher inflation. Um, so uh, the positive of the rise in, in interest rates is that we see a, a much improved opportunity set in fixed income investments, uh, particularly in corporate credit. Uh, economic growth, though, is slowing down and corporate earnings are likely to come under downward pressure in 2023. So for share investments, we see the risk of declines in the first half of 2023 as investors lower their earnings expectations and adjust to a higher interest rate environment. Um, but a cyclical decline in share markets uh, should set up uh, an improved opportunity for investors in the latter half of 2023. That's Mark Jenica there from Credit Suisse. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Hold up. 